It's always uh, difficult to know about what to preach on a holiday, a day of celebration for mothers. You have two choices, really. You lean into it and you talk about the thing that you're all thinking about anyway, or you avoid it and kind of give you a curveball. And so more often than not, I lean into it. If you're all thinking about your mother, that's a great thing, or you're a mother being thought about, even better. And so we're thinking about mothers today, so talking about the biblical role of a mother, I think, is important. But I wanted to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 first because it shows us something I think is very interesting. Uh, Paul, especially when he's writing, uses a lot of analogies, a lot of examples. And he often talks about the idea of a body being a vessel or a container, for example. He talks about the idea of the church being like a body, having a head and having body parts or members. And so when talking about how he cares for the churches, the Christians in those congregations that he helped start. I love the fact that he turned to the idea of a nursing mother caring for her own children. It kind of shows you the affection that he feels towards those Christians around this ancient world. And the best illustration he had for someone that was caring and full of love and concern for someone else was a mother. So again, back into our text, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, beginning of verse 3. The context here is just talking about the idea of how he presented himself to them when he taught them the gospel. Because our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God is witness, nor did we seek uh, glory from men, either from you or from others. We might have made demands as apostles of Christ, but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes and loves her own children. So affectionate longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. Paul is saying, when I taught you the gospel out of love, out of my responsibility as a preacher uh, of the gospel of Jesus Christ, from, uh, I came 11, to you and I could have demanded that you do certain things for us as the apostles. But instead, I appealed to you as someone who loves you and cares for you, just like a mother would do in this circumstance. And we go to the uh, next portion of our text when it comes to discussing mothers you might think I'd be going to the book of Proverbs. Is that a fair bet? Maybe chapter 31. We'll get there, but not quite yet. When you read the book of Proverbs, it's an interesting book. It's really, I think, difficult to preach from because there's no rhyme or reason per se when you go to the book of Proverbs. I think the really only way you can do it is take a text and then break it down, or you take a particular category, for example, and find all the verses you can about that one thing and discuss them back to back to back to back to back. So guess what I'm going to do? Can you guess? If Solomon is the author of the book of Proverbs, which tradition tells us that he is, he had a whole lot of respect for his mom. I'll tell you that. He talks about his parental relationship often, about the wise words and the wisdom and the lessons that he learned from his father and from his mother, and how as a child you receive that instruction and don't get rid of it, keep that instruction. So let's just do an overview, if you will. This is only an overview, keep that in mind, of what Solomon had to say about mothers. 
I want to go through in somewhat of a rapid fashion. If you're taking notes, hope you can keep up. If you're flipping there, there's no way you can keep up. I'm just giving you a warning. All right, Proverb 118. My son, hear the instruction of your father, and do not forsake the law of your mother, for they will be a graceful ornament on your head and chains about your neck. That's decorative, fancy, nice chains, not the chains of bondage, by the way. Okay, Proverbs 4, verses 3 and 4. When I was uh, my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother, he also taught me, and he said to me, let your heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. As a father of an almost three-year-old, you better listen to what he says, so you'll live is a very great threat. Proverbs 6, verses 20 and 21, My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck. Proverbs 10 and verse 1, the Proverbs of Solomon, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is the grief of his mother. I didn't get a single amen on that one, okay. <laughs> Proverbs 15, 20, A wise son makes a father glad, but a foolish man despises his mother. Proverbs 19, 26, He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Proverb 20, 20, whoever curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in deep darkness. That's one of those big commandments, right? Pretty important to remember. Proverb 23, 22, listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. <laughs> Just going to leave that hanging right there. Okay, Proverb 23, 24, and 25, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. Let your father and your mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Proverbs 29, 24, whoever robs his father or mother and says, it is no transgression, the same is companion to a destroyer. Absolutely. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Amen. The champion right there in the pink. All right. Proverbs 30, verses 11 and 12. There is a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There is a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. And then finally, for the, the overview, Proverbs 30 and verse 17. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother... The ravens of the valley will pick it out, and the young eagles will eat it. Let's end on a sour note, why don't we? <laughs> so if you look at the Proverbs as an overview, we know that the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is definitely a play here. But I love the fact that there are so many verses just back to back to back that talk about the, the wisdom and the rules and the love that a father and a mother especially has for a child, and how the child either takes that wisdom, takes that knowledge, takes that blessing, and repays it for doing good, or does the opposite? That dichotomy of either doing the right thing or the wrong thing is a critical theme here when discussing the role of any parent when it comes to raising children. And we go down the generations, we see the trends of this taking place, either having strong roots and strong foundation, or washing away a generation or two at a time. So we see that Solomon had a lot to say about uh, the idea of motherhood. And now let's turn 
to the eventual passage, Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. Now, this particular chapter is somewhat tricky when it comes to how we have it in our scriptures. It seems to be written from a non-Hebrew background, which is interesting. So we assume that Solomon used a pseudonym for uh, Lemuel as the name here, but it's unclear when it comes to the actual veracity of it. However, this particular text was also used for generations by mothers showing it to their sons, saying, this is the woman that you need to find and marry if you want to have a successful life, which is not a bad thing to, to, to start out with, right? This is your goal, in other words. Let's begin Proverbs 31, beginning in verse 10. Who can find an excellent wife? She is far more precious than jewels. The heart of her husband trusts in her, and he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not harm all the days of her life. She seeks wool and flax and works with her hands. She is like the ship of the merchant that brings her food from afar. She rises while it is yet night, and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She considers a field and buys it, and with the fruit of her hand she plants a vineyard. She dresses herself with strength and makes her arms strong. She perceives that her merchandise is profitable. Her lamp does not go out at night. She puts her hand, hands to the distaff, and her hands hold the spindle. She opens her hand to the poor and reaches out of her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for they are all, for all her household are clothed in scarlet. She makes bed coverings for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them. She delivers sashes to the merchants. Strength and dignity are her clothing, and she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is emptiness, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. You look at this particular example. The bar is set a little high, right? We have a woman here who is a superwoman doing it all. Now, my goal in reading this passage is not to make anyone reflect about their own selves or personality or, or labor and feel less than adequate. The fact that we are all in this together, we have this text as a goal in mind, something to reach forward to, to see how God views a woman of God doing these things in her household and being productive and being busy and having her family praise her and adore her for all she does. That's the real goal here. What I want to do is looking back at this text and look at it from a different perspective. In my own mind, anyway, when I read this, this passage, my mind is solely focused on who this woman is, this excellent wife. But if you look at the perspective of the others in this particular text, it paints a different picture for us, a different light, in other words. If we look at this particular woman from the standpoint of others, let's talk about her husband. In chapter 31, 11 and 12, he trusts her and knows that she, for him, is good, 
not evil. From verse 23, he is known by his reputation of his wife. In chapter uh, 31, 28, and 29, he praises her for her work and her life. Now let's look at the woman here from the standpoint of others that are on the outside, the household. In verses 13 through 15, she provides or takes care of them and is kind. In verse 21, she is not afraid of hard times in the future because of her preparation and trust in God. Now from the perspective of someone who is in need, in verse 20, they are assisted by her works. And from the children, in verse 28, they rise up and call her blessed. It's funny, last night I was looking over this particular material, and uh, Maddie was next to me, and then Melissa was right next to her. And I go, Maddie, do you rise up and call your mother blessed? And she goes, no. <laughs> it's like, well, you should. And she's like, I don't know what that means. I'm like, okay, well, maybe in the future is a goal to keep in mind. So from the standpoint of others, we see her in these, these particular categories. From the standpoint of herself, we know that she is someone who is business-minded. I'm not saying by any stretch of any imagination, I'm saying that you must be engaged in business transactions if you want to be a successful wife. That's not what I would say ever, okay? Don't get me wrong. But from her mind, she is busy trying to take care of her needs and the needs of her household by doing what she has to do. And then finally, the most important one, if you look at this woman, who is she from the standpoint of God? That's the most important question. We've seen the others. We see herself. How does God see her? In verse 17, she is supported by strength and has strong arms. This figure of speech here is often referenced when God is talking about saving or caring for, protecting his people. It has the strong arm of God, for example. In verse um, 20, she is helping the poor and she's mindful of those whom God is especially mindful. We have those that are in need and she takes care of those who are in need, not for her own glory or benefit, but because God has commanded her to do so. And then verses 30 and 31, she fears the Lord, she will be praised, and she will reap the fruits of her labor. If we have this person in our mind, this person who is the ideal of who God wants our wives to be, for you to be as a mother, we see what God is wanting from us. And I'm so very thankful to know that I have people in my life who fill this role, who are a child of God and assist me by being my wife and a mother to my children. As you reflect upon your own life, you have your examples as well. This morning, the most important thing for us all to know is, yes, mothers have a very special role in all of our lives. They are there for us, but we're not there for ourselves sometimes. But God uses the illustrations of being like a mother in the way that he loves us and cares about us and cares for us, so much so that he was willing to send his son to this earth to give us that true example of what perfection looks like. Jesus went to the cross for my sins and for yours. And he came out of that tomb three days later to show us our pattern, our path, 
One day we're going to return back to the earth from which we were formed. That's not the end. That's just the beginning. When Christ returns, those who are found faithful in him will be going home forever. And that's the good news of Jesus Christ. If anyone this morning has a need to respond to the invitation, if you're not a child of God and you want to put on Christ in baptism this morning, we can do that. If you are a child of God who has wandered away and sin has crept back into your life and you want to repent of that sin and be in a right relationship with your Heavenly Father once again, we can help you with that. Are you grieving? Are you burdened? Do you need the family of Christ here to surround you and support you and pray for you and lift you up to our Heavenly Father's name? If we can assist you in any way this morning, respond by coming forward as we stand and we sing.